Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, a resilience podcast where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, health, and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. I'm excited to continue our back to school series speaking with Dr. Elham Raker this week. She is a pediatrician, a parent coach, and she's recently started her own telemedicine service. She's going to be bringing us some tips about how to get ready for back to school in terms of our health and our kids' health. As a pediatrician and mom, she understands the importance of receiving medical care and advice in a timely manner and that's why she has started her telemedicine service to provide quick and easy access to a board certified pediatrician in minutes. This helps her to help parents to deal with the overwhelm of parenting by providing reassurance and trusted information. During this interview, we get into how to help our kids' immune system, what to do if they get sick, and ways for parents to stay well during the back-to-school transition as well. Enjoy this conversation with Dr. Elham Raker. Are you interested in having a published author speak in your classroom or at your community event? I'd be interested in speaking about my new novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, the writing process, mental health, Panda's Pans, podcasting, and more. Contact me at reallifeprojectco at gmail.com for both in-person and online bookings. So welcome, Dr. Elham Raker, to the podcast. I'm so happy to connect with you today. Thank you. So excited to be here. Why don't we start with you giving a little bit about your background and some of the work that you're doing? Yeah, I'd love to. So I am a pediatrician um, and a parent coach. I've been a pediatrician for, gosh, a long time, about 18 years, and um, have worked in so many different venues, areas, hospitals, clinics, outpatient, inpatient, home care settings, um, urgent care. So I've really get, gotten to see the gamut of pediatrics and um, in all the different settings. Um, most recently, I have decided to launch a telemedicine practice. And with that, I'm including parent coaching. And that really born out of all my experience, to be honest, I, I felt that in the clinic setting, we were missing a little bit. Um, and not to undervalue the importance of pediatricians and the importance of, you know, things like well care visits and things of that nature. But there felt like there was a little bit of a gap where parents would, you know, come in with whatever the issue may be, but then there was just more to talk about. And unfortunately, in the typical 10 to 15 minute clinic setting, I felt like some things were getting lost in translation. So that is what my business was born out of. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. My son has um, a disorder called PANDAS, and and mm -hmm. it's definitely one that you know you need a lot longer than a couple of minutes to kind of go through. So I can I can see for sure that um, there's definitely a need there. So that's great. Yeah, thanks. 
Um, so, you know, we're right in the midst of our back to school series. I've been, you know, talking with different professionals about ideas for getting ourselves ready and our kids ready. And I know some kids have already started even at this point. So I'm wondering as a pediatrician and as a parent coach, what are some of the things that you're recommending for prepping our children for this school year? You know, I think probably the number one thing that we really need to think about is a schedule. Um, after the year we've had, I think um, schedules were really went by the wayside, mm-hmm. understandably. You know, it was like kids got to sleep in later. They went to bed later. We didn't know what was happening. Everyone's schedule was a little bit wonky. So I think that getting back on a routine, getting back, you know, if you haven't started school, try to start that sooner than later. And if you have started school, certainly you want to start that um, because now the kids have to get up pretty early and and get going and they're going to be at school, hopefully all day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And we want them to have the stamina to do that. So I'd say a really good schedule, a good routine, a bedtime routine. You know, if you stopped doing that to reincorporate that and, um, depending on the child's age, you know, the the bedtime that's appropriate for them. So that would probably be my number one right now. Yeah, that's a great idea. I know for my daughter, we had um, at one point, it was just printed from the internet, but kind of a bedtime routine little sticker chart where she could kind of see like, you know, I need to brush my teeth and I need to, you know, get myself in my pajamas. It was a schedule. So you're right that that makes a lot of sense. And, and it's something that, you know, I know in our house, we've had some schedules, but then it's like, it flips again. And then you're, mm-hmm. you know, onto online class, and then you're back in person. And so yeah, I could see that that is a great number one. So one of the things that I've been thinking a little bit about is how do we prepare our kids in terms of keeping their immune system strong for the year? So in some cases, they've maybe been home for the summer here in Ontario our kids have been home for about six months now. Uh, I know others have probably been home for over a year. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any idea that you have in terms of vitamins or, or things that we can be doing to help this transition back? Yeah, that's an excellent question. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at it, kids did not really get sick last year. You know, visits mm-hmm. were down for things like flu, flu and colds. And that nature, which is nice, right? We would love that every year. But the fact of the matter is kids also should be out and about and playing and with their friends and they're going to get the typical germs and viruses. So it may be a little bit worse this year because maybe all of our immune systems, you know, got a little rest last year. It's hard to say for sure, but um, certainly, you know, it is something we want to prepare for. I do generally believe that kids tend to do pretty well in their diet. Even the picky eaters don't tend to need supplements. You know, my concern with the supplements and vitamins is a lot of times, A, they end up getting things they don't need. And really, you're just making expensive urine. Um, B, sometimes it can be harmful. So the gummy vitamins with Mm. extra sugar or could cause cavities. So it's, it's not only not helping, it's maybe harming. So Mm -hmm. I do want to always, you know, make sure everyone's getting the right thing and getting what they need. Um, The vitamins that I do recommend in general, especially as kids get a little bit older, vitamin D, I'd say is something we can all take more of. Mm -hmm. 
we do get it from the sun, but we're all also very um, conscious of the sun and sunburns, which we should be. So hopefully everyone's using SPF that's, you know, big in my house, then we're not getting as much vitamin D. So I do think vitamin D is something to think about. Definitely talk to your doctor about. Um, they can check vitamin D levels if it is a concern. But for the most part, I think we can all use a little bit extra. And that's a pretty easy one to supplement. The other thing that I see missing in a lot of older kids is calcium. Calcium, mm. you, you don't tend to drink so much milk as you get older, understandably. And it's hard to get as much calcium as kids need. Starting at nine, they need about 1,300 milligrams of calcium, which is higher than the adult dose. So that's another thing to think about. And then the other things we think about for immunity, calcium is not specifically immunity, just talking about kids in general. Mm-hmm. But for immunity, the other things to think about, I think, are zinc, vitamin C, um, some of the B vitamins, you know, help with just general fatigue and energy. Again, I don't think those have been studied so well, and, and it, the data is not so conclusive. But certainly if you if it makes you feel better to do a little bit extra vitamin C or zinc, certainly if you there's a sniffle coming on or something like that. I don't think that would be harmful. I'm not 100% sure how much difference it would make, but I really truly do believe in the placebo effect in the in the sense that mm-hmm. if you feel like this is helping, then great, you know? If you if someone feels that they're going to take something and it's going to help them feel better, then that's that's okay too. So yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and I've f- for sure heard a lot of those come up um, from other practitioners as well. So yeah, I totally think those make sense to incorporate. Um, and then I guess there would be sort of the obvious thing like solid sleep, things like that. Um, yes, you mentioned exactly. even earlier so, with the schedule. Yeah, so going back to the basics, um, there is so many benefits to getting good night's rest, like we talked about the schedule, but making sure, you know, depending on the age, the different hours that kids need to sleep will help them in their immune function, in their school function, in just how they can handle life in general. Um, a lot of times with younger kids, parents think that they're hyperactive, but it's actually because they're tired and they're not getting enough sleep. So it doesn't always show up the same in children as it does does in us adults who are kind of falling over once we're asleep, once we're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the importance of just nutrition, you know, just good basic nutrition. So trying to get the variety of fruits and vegetables. And honestly, when I say the variety, I don't mean that they have to have a different fruit and vegetable every single day. It doesn't need to be... Um, huge array of things but what a really good way to think about it and I like to talk about this with kids in my practice is eating a rainbow Mm -hmm. so if you're getting different color food groups not not like from Cheez-Its right but like natural food colors (laughs) then you're gonna get um, most of the vitamins and minerals you need because the colors represent different different vitamins and minerals that are in them So that's just kind of a fun way to do it. When my kids were younger, I had little, you know, eat the rainbow posters and they could check off the colors they ate. So that could be just a fun way to incorporate it um, for younger kids. 
And you mentioned like it doesn't necessarily have to be um, every day. Like, would you kind of say over the week or are you thinking every day they should eat the rainbow? No, I mean, listen, it's a good goal, right? And it could be fun to do. I wouldn't put so much pressure on yourself to make sure you get it every day. But some kids are just motivated by something like that. And they would just think it's fun. I mean, they may Mm -hmm. have one blueberry and they met the requirement, right? Yeah. But um, so I wouldn't be super strict about it. And yes, definitely for kids, you want to look at their overall nutrition. So in a week is is a great way to look at it. And if they really just orange is, is the only thing they'll eat is carrots, then great. Just let them eat carrots, you know, and just introducing new foods every so often, but not never with any pressure and just kind of go with the flow. Most kids tend to do pretty well. Yeah, some of the other things that I tend to hear that can sort of hinder the immune system function are things like sugar and then additives. Do you think those are to watch or is it better to kind of focus on adding things like fruits and vegetables? Honestly, I think both. I think you want to try to keep sugars from natural sources like fruits and vegetables, um, natural carbs and things of that nature and minimize processed foods. And I think that's just really good advice for all of us, right? I mean, I think so many diseases have kind of linked back to that. It's not necessarily, and and I think the whole idea of cutting out fat, um, that was such a big thing, I think, in the 80s. And, you know, so then the manufacturers added more sugar, which then really caused a lot of problems. So I do think keeping an eye on added sugar is something to be aware of. But, you know, if you have a treat once in a while, um, that's okay. It just, it it shouldn't feel so restrictive. But just, you know, what I tell my kids is if you want a snack, look in the fridge, not in the pantry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Try to keep healthy snacks available. So if your kids do end up snacking and they're not going to eat as much of their dinner, then they had, you know, either cheese or yogurt or something that you're okay with them having. And they ate a little less dinner that night. That's it's not the end of the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. And kids, you know, sometimes they feel full, right? Like, so mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Like, you have to kind of let them guide to an extent. So you did mention that, you know, this year we might see a little bit more in terms of our kids getting sick. So maybe it's kind of the cold or the flu or a stomach issue, maybe even, you know, COVID. So do you have any suggestions for how parents should approach it if if they are dealing with somebody that's not feeling well? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I think in the era that we're in, this is this is not something I would say all the time, obviously, but in the era that we're in, if your child has a fever, they should probably be checked for COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, or if there's other symptoms that really go towards COVID, um, then because of what's going on, we need to be checked. I would never normally say that about any other virus. <laughs> Right. Um, so that would be the number one thing, you know, and there is some over the counter ones that could be somewhat reliable just to, if you're just like, mm, do I really need to check or not? Just to give you a little bit more reassurance. And then the other things, as far as if it's, you know, if it's a cold and, and just the run of the mill cold, which we expect kids to get, 
then um, I generally tend to stay from stay away from over the counters. They tend to be not so helpful and could potentially be harmful. So I'm definitely more of a fan of natural remedies. And number one, depending on the age of the child, is either going to be nasal suctioning with um, normal saline or just normal saline rinses, you know, to really just get that congestion out of the nose makes such a big difference. So again, it just depends on how much the child is able to blow their nose or if they need you to help them clear that. Um, the other thing I really like is a humidifier. I like the cold humidifier more for safety reasons rather than the hot one. Um, but my kids tend to use it almost all year round. They just really love having it. And it really makes a difference when they're sick. Um, also, sleeping a little bit elevated is helpful. So again, if you have a little baby, that's not really possible. But with an older child who's in bed using a pillow, elevate their head so they're not laying flat and all that stuff isn't draining into their throat. Um, for either sore throat or particularly for a cough, once a child is over a year, I'm a big fan of honey. And mm -hmm. if you go to the market, you will find many uh, drug companies trying to sell you honey, which is really just honey. <laughs> so you don't need to buy an expensive medication, just buy whatever your favorite honey is. It can be, you know, organic, whatever you like to use at home and give them a teaspoon and you can give them a tablespoon. I mean, there, there is no, you don't really overdose on honey. You can give it every hour if needed or just whatever is needed. So I really like that about it. Um, you know, it's a little bit sweet sugar, but that's okay when they're sick. And then yeah. other than that, you know, there's not so many great options. You just kind of have to ride it out. The main things to also know is that, you know, if it's just a cold and you feel comfortable with that and your child's otherwise feeling okay, eating okay, definitely drinking, want to make sure they stay hydrated. That's really important. Um, then, then you're good. And if, as long as it's starting to get better by about seven to 10 days, then, you know, you're on the right track. But reasons to see the pediatrician to get checked is if there's a fever, you know, you've already ruled out COVID, but there's a fever for more than three days. Um, if the symptoms are not getting better and particularly if they're getting worse or if new symptoms pop up. So initially there was no fever and then a fever comes on a few days later. So that could be a sign of something more serious going on. And then you do want to get checked out. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. No, that's a really good list of a variety of different things to try. And, and I like the honey idea. We actually had been told by one of our pediatricians um, to try Manuka honey, which was mm -hmm. a specific kind. But yeah, I, that's interesting that any honey too. Yeah, um, any honey. The, the studies that were done were not a specific type of honey. So. Okay, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, and so then I guess sort of the other side of that is what can parents really be doing to stay healthy and fight off some of what the kids are bringing home? I know that's always tough when your child comes home, you're super busy trying to take care of them. And then you're also like, but I don't want to get this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so any thoughts hard. on that? Yeah. Yeah. Because se separation is not an option, right? I you know. Be there cuddling with our kiddos. Um, you know, honestly, it's all the same things. You really have to 
make sure that you're getting good sleep too. And I think that's, as parents, we're probably the worst about that because once we put our kids to bed, it's like our time (laughs) to Mm -hmm. get our stuff done and, you know, maybe, maybe binge on a show or two. So I'd say you really have to be conscientious of that. You really, you know, as adults, it's eight hours of sleep is what's recommended. So you really, um, don't downplay the importance of that. You know, even if you think, oh, I can get by on five or six, it's going to eventually wear on your body. I mean, the research is pretty clear on this, that, you know, all those people that would always say like, I can sleep on five hours and I feel fine. There is damage being done to their body that could potentially show up long-term. So I think sleep is, is super important. I think nutrition is super important. Um, same, you know, same things we talked about, minimizing processed foods, fruits and vegetables. And I think exercise is really important too, along with seeing the sunlight. Mm. You know, our kids get up to play naturally. So we may, we may not think about specific exercise for them, but we don't have that. You know, adults tend to lead more sedentary lives just because we're at a computer desk or sitting and movement's not like necessarily a part of our day. So even if you can um, squeeze in a walk, um, it doesn't have to be super strenuous, but I think a little bit of exercise, again, the research really um, supports that getting in some movement, increasing your heart rate and combining that with seeing the sunlight mm-hmm. <laughs> really makes a difference. No, that's great. Um, one of the things I always wonder with exercise, I'm kind of, I'm a big exerciser. I'm like every day, sometimes I, you know, twin, but when I get sick, I'm never sure if I should keep going. And I, yeah. you know, once had the advice that like sort of if it was something above your neck, then you can exercise. But if it's like a full body thing, don't like, do you have any rules that you use around exercising when you're not feeling 100%? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, you know, my husband and I kind of talk about that. And basically, we just go by how we feel. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a good rule of thumb. So if I, I don't know if it's the location necessarily, you know, but maybe if you have body aches, you're going to have a harder time actually doing some of those movements, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on how sick you are, it may be your body saying, hey, I, you, you need to rest. So I think it's really important to listen to your body and not push yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're, if you're sniffling and you're still able to do the activity that you were planning on doing without extra, you know, maybe a little bit extra exertion, but nothing crazy where you're huffing and puffing, then I think that's totally fine. But if within five minutes of starting something, you're already feeling winded and you can't catch your breath, then then you really need to listen to your body and say, okay, today needs to be, you know, a day of rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's great advice. Yeah, I don't think you have to follow a general like, you know, obviously, if you have a fever, yeah, so that's one yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're vomiting and diarrhea, okay, you know, kind of actually the same for our kids. Um, the three things that keeps them out of school without question is fever, vomiting, diarrhea, and they have to be, you know, th- free of those symptoms for 24 hours before they come back to school. So that's probably a good rule of thumb for adults too. I'd say those three things f- clear for 24 hours before exercising, but. Um, 
but other than that, I would just say, you know, listen to your body. Good. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so we talked a little bit about if our kids aren't feeling well um, to check for COVID, but is there anything else that you're finding that you're giving specific advice about um, how to stay well or avoid COVID or is it really the same normal stuff? It's really the same. You know, when this all started, we were told to wash our hands, you know, and I'm like, wow, does it really take like a pandemic to get everyone to wash their hands? I mean, it's really something we hope that everybody was doing pretty regularly, but mm-hmm. I do think kids need to be reminded of that. Um, the 20 seconds was something that was really emphasized, but yeah, I think it's, it's really, truly the same. It's, you know, um, hand washing is probably one of the most important things for, um, viruses. That's really how they get spread for the most part. I know with COVID, we're seeing more, um, droplets and that's where the masks come into play. Mm-hmm. But obviously if you touch something and then you touch your nose or your mouth, then you know, that droplet's going where you don't want it to. And um, I think being outside, I think being outside is really key in having somewhat of a normal um, relationship with other people and for kids to be able to play outside. If there's not too many kids, I think without a mask is very safe. There's been very little um, transmission um outdoors so i think that's really something that i would push as much as possible as much as the weather permits Mm -hmm. is outdoor play yeah that that makes a lot of sense um and and is so good for the kids i'm wondering Mm -hmm. you know just while we're even talking about covid and then back to school in general are you seeing a lot of anxiety coming up in kids like for example separation anxiety if they've been around their parent maybe for the last year um or just general kind of that idea of reintegrating is that coming up yeah it's it's definitely all over the place i'd say i think for some kids, staying at staying home was causing a lot of anxiety. Hmm. For some kids who had anxiety about school, they were home and feeling great. Right um, now, it's kind of the reverse. So, so many layers of things going on for different kids. Some kids are so excited to go back, and they really just could not wait to be back in that environment. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's definitely some hesitation. You know, even the kids that were well adjusted and were ready to go back, it's just different, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them have are out of school that they've never seen before, um, even though it may not be a new school, but it's new to them, mm-hmm. or they are starting a new school. So there's like double anxiety because it's a new school and they haven't been at school for <laughs> a year right. and a half. Um, so I, I think it's different for everyone. And you really have to just, that's where kind of, like I talk, like to talk about the the mom or the parent intuition of, you know, you really know your kid best and you have to kind of know what, you know, what you think that, that, that they may be going through. Um, whatever it may be, I think you need to be open, have open conversations and always just let them know that whatever they're feeling is okay. You know, whether 
they're apprehensive, they're scared, the anxiety, excitement, whatever they're feeling, all those feelings are completely okay and expected and just kind of be there for them while they go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those conversations are, are so important. Um... I wrote a book. I'd love for you to check it out. Pendulum by S.E. German is available now. Pendulum is a heartwarming story that follows a young boy who experiences mental health challenges like anxiety, OCD and depression, ADHD and tics following an infection. It turns out he has a little known disorder called PANDAS. The book follows the young boy as he struggles with his health issues as well as regular middle grade issues and it can act as a wonderful catalyst between you and your children to talk about mental health issues and other things that are going on in their life. Pendulum is available online through Amazon Worldwide, Barnes & Noble, the Friesen Press Bookstore, and a number of other online retailers worldwide. And you can check out Chapter 1, the audio version of Pendulum for free on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast in Episode 64. I hope you enjoy Pendulum by S.E. German and let me know what you think. Is there anything else that you recommend, um, you know, in terms of would you refer to therapy or, or anything else or, or you think kind of just starting with the conversation? I definitely think starting with the conversation. I think if you have any concerns, your pediatrician is probably a good place to start mm-hmm. because they probably can help you kind of decipher is this like um, within normal anxiety for what your child's been through and your particular situation, or is this not within what we expect and we should get more attention, more medical care or therapy or whatever they may need? Mm-hmm. I also think school's a good place to ask, you know, because te- your kids are going to let their guards down with you. And that's a good thing, right? We Mm -hmm. want them to be able to do that. And, um, and they typically can keep it together at school, right? They can act appropriately and follow instructions and whatnot. So if they're not able to keep it together at school, that's definitely a red flag that something's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think talking, being communication with teachers and, and counselors and other people that interact with your children at school is a good thing. And then, um, you know, making sure that they have some fun in their day, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, whether it's their sports or, um, again, like outside play dates or something where they feel safe and they're enjoying doing the things that they've had always been doing. I think um, I, I get a little worried about kids being afraid of too many things after this pandemic. And, you know, germs are a part of our life. We shouldn't be afraid of germs. Um, we shouldn't be afraid to touch each other, you know? So, so I mm-hmm. do want to help kids have some of that normalcy um, in the safest way possible. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. We just went, you know, traveling a little bit on our weekend um, close to home. But I noticed like my kids wouldn't open any of the doors when we were like going mm-hmm. in and out of place. And so, yeah, it's kind of a a thing that's changed, right? Like just all of a sudden they're a little more cautious around things. And yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's hard to find that balance, right? It's very delicate because, you know, I love that people are more aware about washing hands. Like that mm-hmm. is fantastic. But really, kids need to be playing outside in the dirt and touching mm-hmm. each other and, and passing germs to each other. I mean, it's actually a really important part of our immune system to see those germs and learn how to fight it um, in those formative years. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's this balance of you don't want your kid to grow up in a bubble, you know, um, and certainly you don't want the, them to feel like they need to grow up in a bubble to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Nope, that makes a lot of sense. And and I'm sure, yeah, a lot of parents are are kind of thinking of similar things or seeing similar things and, and aren't sure um, exactly what's going on. And the really great thing is, is that it's not affecting the kids primarily. They tend to get it and be either asymptomatic or recover pretty quickly from it for the most part. You know, obviously none of us want our kids to get COVID, but they seem to be doing pretty well. So I, I do think there's like that risk benefit um, kind of discussion to be had with kids just being kids right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess there's still, yeah, a lot of questions around the vaccine and stuff for children as well. So that's kind of something that that isn't fully figured out at this point. Yeah, we're, we're still kind of waiting for more authorization for the 12 and under group for sure. Um, I'm hopeful that the 12 and and above group keeps getting the green light for the vaccine with the different reviews. And so far that's, that's been positive. So, you know, fingers crossed that we all, we all get there and get past this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just as we're starting to wrap up, I'm wondering if, you know, either with your pediatrician hat or your parenting coach hat, if there's any other tools or advice that you really want to mention to our listeners at this time. Um, you know, honestly, I'd say that, like I said before, trust yourself, you know, find someone that you trust as far as like either a medical expert or if it's parenting or, you know, therapist, someone that you really trust what they say, use them as a guide, but ultimately know that you are making the right decision um, for you and your child. You know, once you've kind of, once you have the information that you know, you're not doing the wrong thing, right? Like my, I feel like my position is to tell you these are, this is how to do things safely, or these are my recommendations based on whatever it may be. But once you know that, and and you talk to the person and say, you know, this is how I want to do it. And they said, great, that's, that's totally fine. Then do what feels right for you. Cause I think in the end, you're, that's what's going to make you feel good and not have any regrets, you know, with, with anything related to parenting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it, it's such a tricky balance, right? And you get sometimes so much advice. So you're right. Finding mm-hmm. that person that you feel 
like you align with, or it's not even always advice. Sometimes you just hear a lot, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, so. you do. It's, it's information overload right now. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, you can find whatever you want on Google, right? You can yeah. find whatever position you truly think is right. You can find someone to support it. So as much as possible to find that unbiased person, right? Mm -hmm. And um, take that information and then make a decision that, that works best for your family and your child. Absolutely. So I'm sure our listeners are so interested to find out more about you, your coaching, your telemedicine. What is the best way to connect with you going forward? So the place that I hang out the most is probably on Instagram and you can find me there at ask Dr. Mom underscore is my handle. Um, send me DMs, messages. I do a YouTube channel and I really love doing it based on questions that I get. So please send over whatever you have. Um, my website is ask Dr. Mom with a dash between doctor and mom.com. And um, you can also find my blog there. And in my Instagram channel, the bio, or I'm sorry, my Instagram site in the bio section, you can find all the other places to find me as well. So perfect. All right. So I will make sure yeah. to put those in the show notes so that people can just click away and find out more about you. I really appreciate all of your time and this great advice. I think um, a lot of this stuff is just such a good reminder for parents. You know, we we get into sometimes the weeds on mm -hmm. <laughs> all of the things that we need to be doing for our kids. And I think some of this is for sure common good to hear that it does make a difference and it's worth our efforts. Absolutely. Great. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to announce the launch of my author website, www.se-german.com. On this website, you can find out all the information about my publications, focused areas on my novel, Pendulum by S.E. German, where there are questions for parents as you work through the novel with your children, as well as teacher resources that can be used in the classroom. There's also information about the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast and recent press. Please visit www.se-german.com. Thank you so much to Dr. Elham Raker for all of her advice on the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast this week. I think her back to basics approach in terms of getting our kids onto the right schedule and routine, making sure that their nutrition is great, as well as their sleep, are all really wonderful emphasis for is great advice in terms of how to transition for a successful back to school. I also liked her mention of a number of non-over-the-counter things for when we are dealing with our kids being sick. Um, of course, the honey conversation as well as the humidifier uh, were all really good tips. And 
I also really liked what she mentioned when she was talking about snacks for her kids when she said, look in the fridge, not in the pantry. I think that's a great thing and I am going to use that for sure. So if you want to find out more about Dr. Raker, you can, as she mentioned, visit her on Instagram at askdrmom underscore or you can see her on YouTube as well as her website, www.askdoctor-mom.com. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you are learning a lot and enjoying all of the conversations in the Back to School series. It's been a lot of fun, and I think we're really able to look at this back to school time in a holistic manner, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to be medical or professional advice. If you are looking for that advice, please seek that out from a professional. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can visit my blog, www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com or follow me online at Sarah Lady Gluten on Instagram, S-A-R-A-L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N, or the Facebook page, Sarah-Lady Gluten. If you do like the podcast, please consider subscribing so that you will get the podcast update every week and or reviewing the podcast on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks again and have a great week. Mm-hmm.